All right, Don, I'm ready. You want me to take the opening, huh? Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another of our triple stacks with two Jack Benny episodes and sandwiched in between we have a Phil Harris episode. Starting the evening off, we have the 1948 episode of the Jack Benny Show from April 25th, starring Dorothy Kirsten as his guest. Dorothy Kirsten was a opera singer that sang with the Metropolitan Opera for about 30 years, from 1945 is when she started there, and she stayed there until the 1970s. Uh, amazing singer. She appeared on lots of different radio shows, including Bing Crosby's and, of course, this Jack Benny show, but also over on the Al Jolson show, and I think she appeared on uh, Jimmy Durante's show that we have playing over on our... Um, Judy Garland podcast that I think you might like, the Judy Garland Friends podcast. And uh, she's going to do a phenomenal job at it. The episode has great sound. And she's just a interesting. We don't, our opera singers, I don't think, get nearly as big as uh, she was at the time. She was at the right time in the right place and uh, just really took off in her career. Then after that, we have the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show. Uh, the kids get to see their dad at work. It's all about that. Uh, I guess kind of like your Take Your Daughters to Work Day that we have uh, currently in our country. And then after that, we have the Jack Benny show from uh, May 1st, 1938. And it's Beverly Hills Home Under Construction. And it's a fantastic episode uh, not an episode we hear a lot uh, the subject matter doesn't appear over and over again like uh, what the train episodes and the uh, Christmas shopping episodes and things and I'll get more into that too, as I introduce the show so I hope you enjoy all three episodes y'all have really nice sound tonight and I thought I would just quickly uh, discuss something I'm gonna throw up a poll so if you want to vote in this poll, it's your chance to voice how you would like the podcast to be next year. The reason I do three shows is, for one, I can fit more variety of shows on, like Rob's shows that he brings us and so forth, uh, by doing that. And the other reason is, for my commuters, they get a chance to listen to three episodes back-to-back, -back, and if they have a long commute... They don't have to search on their device to find the next podcast or anything. They can just uh, focus on the driving and hopefully not get into any accidents or anything by changing uh, the program. So I think that's a, a good thing in that way. Now, for, and then I figure other folks might just listen to one of the episodes and then go to sleep or whatever they're going to do because a lot of folks listen to me at bedtime and I understand that. Uh, but the other side of it is I could next year present single episodes of the Jack Benny show. I think what I'd do is definitely have 
Jack and Phil's show that do go together that are from the same week, I'd still keep those together. But maybe I'd have these shows from 37 and 42, uh, or 43, I guess, and 48 now, um, have their own separate uh, presentation during the week. But that means I'd have to cut out some of my shows. I'd probably be cutting out uh, Johnny Dollar, uh, who I think after his five-part episodes, we're going to be done with Johnny Dollar for a while anyway. And uh, I'd probably have to cut something else out too to make room for for to have more more Jack Benny shows throughout the week. But I guess the question is, do you want me to keep them triple stacked like they are, or would you rather have me have them a little more spread out? And that's fine too. So if you want to vote, come to the poll. It'll be at buckbenny.com, and you can voice what you would like the podcast to look like next year. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into our shows. I hope you enjoy all of them, and we will see you next week. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Lucky Strike and Lucky Strike Alone offers you important evidence gathered in the tobacco country by the world-famous Crosley Pole. This evidence reveals the smoking preference of auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen, the men who really know tobacco. Here's what the Crosley Poll found. For their own personal smoking enjoyment, independent tobacco experts again name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice over any other brand. These experts know their business. Their overwhelming preference for Lucky Strike, we believe, has a direct relationship to the quality tobacco we purchase for Luckies and to the real, deep-down smoking enjoyment you may expect from fine tobacco. And when these veteran tobacco experts name Lucky Strike first choice for their own personal smoking enjoyment, then you know... L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And in a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. So smoke the smoke, tobacco experts smoke, Lucky Strike. Remember, independent tobacco experts again name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice over any other brand. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Benny has just returned from his stay in Palm Springs. So let's go out to Jack's house in Beverly Hills. It's morning, and we find Rochester in the kitchen. I'm overlooking a sink full of dishes that I overlooked all week. There's spoons and there's saucers and dirt on the floor. Oh, good morning. Good morning, Rochester. Oh, oh good morning, boss. Thank you. Did you have a nice night? Oh, pretty good, Rochester, but as you know, I had a difficult time falling asleep. I counted 3,000 sheep. 3,020 to be exact. Was it that many? Yeah, and boss, tonight when you go to bed, why don't you take a little pill? No, Rochester, I prefer to count sheep. I know, but I feel so silly putting on that white coat and jumping back and forth over your bedpost. <laughs> Rochester, if I can toss and turn, you can jump a little. Doesn't hurt. Now pour me some coffee. Okay. Just a minute, boys. Why'd you pull down the shade? In case Mr. Coleman looks out of his window, I don't want him to see you. Oh, yes, yes. He's still mad about my losing his Oscar, isn't he? 
mad. Yesterday he came over and got one of our lawnmowers. Well, that's all right. I know, but he mowed half his lawn before he put the flag down on the meter. <laughs> Gee, Rochester, if Mr. Coleman finds out I'm back from Palm Springs, no telling what he'll do. But I have to go to the studio. How am I going to get out of the house without him seeing me? Well, let me see. I know. What? Get down on all fours, I'll throw the bearskin rug over you and lead you out of the house on a leash. No, no, that wouldn't work. Now, suppose he comes over to pet me. I'll leave the muzzle off so you can bite him. <laughs> now, I'd probably break my tooth on his garter, silly. But I gotta get out of the house without Mr. Coleman seeing me. Say, boss, I know what you can do. What? You've still got your old Charlie's Ant costume. Why don't you put that on? Say, that's a wonderful idea. If I'm dressed like a woman, he won't recognize me. That's a... You take it, Rochester. I'll go in and put on my Charlie's Ant costume. Yes, sir. Mr. Benny's residence, star of stage, screen, radio, and will accept the nomination for any party that'll let him rent out rooms in the White House. <laughs> hello, Rochester. This is Miss Livingston. Oh, oh, hello, Miss Livingston. How did you enjoy your two-week stay in Palm Springs? Oh, wonderful, Rochester. I was on the golf course with Mr. Benny every day. I know, and Mr. Benny said you owed him $4.35. That's right. I didn't know he could beat you. He didn't beat me. He caddied for me. <laughs> oh. By the way, Rochester, how does Mr. Benny feel now? Much better, but when he got home from Palm Springs, he was green. What made him so sick? Well, he stopped at an orange juice stand that said all you can drink for 10 cents, and we had to roll him back in the car. <laughs> Oh, so that's what it was. He woke me up when he came sloshing into the house. <laughs> well, Rochester, please tell Mr. Benny that I'll pick him up in a few minutes on my way down to the studio. That'll be fine, Miss Livingston, but would you mind waiting for him down on the corner? On the corner? Why? Uh, Mr. Benny will explain it to you when he sees you. All right, Rochester. Goodbye. Goodbye. Are you decent, boss? <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> Rochester, how do I look in my Charlie's Ant costume? Well, let me see. You've got the wig on straight, and your curls tumble down over your forehead in a tantalizing manner. Thank you. Thank you, Rochester. Your mascara is just heavy enough to accentuate the blue in your eyes. Good, good. Uh, your lips have the red glow of a summer sun as it slowly sinks into the peaceful Pacific. <laughs> well... And your... Uh-oh. What's the matter? You better pull up your shoulder straps. Your hair on your chest is showing. <laughs> oh, nobody will notice that when I wear my shawl. Oh, my goodness, look what time it is. I better get started for the studio. Uh, I told Miss Livingston to pick you up on the corner. Well, that's a good idea. Gee, I hope nobody recognizes me. Rochester, does this dress really make me look like a woman? Boss, if this was Mother's Day, you'd be lousy with flowers. Good, good. So long, Rochester. Goodbye. Hmm. A little chilly. I'm glad I wore this shawl. <laughs> a pretty girl is like a melody. Da 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 da. Gee, if I pass Georgie Jessel, I'm dead. <laughs> But 
about it'll be interesting. <laughs> uh, well, as soon as I get in Mary's car, I'll take off this dress and... Uh-oh. Oh, my goodness. Here comes Ronald Coleman walking this way. I just put down my head and crossed the street. Gee, that was close. You better be careful, lady. Huh? <laughs> May I help you across the street? Uh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. But I can manage by myself. Well, well, let, let me take your arm. Well, all right. <laughs> Am I walking too fast for you, Mother? No, no. <laughs> well, here we are across the street. Yes, now. Now watch the curb. Upsa-daisy. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Coleman. Oh, you you recognize me? Yes, yes. Now I have to run uh, away. Would you, would you like my autograph? Oh, not now. I'm in a hurry. I oh, have to... only take a minute. I'm sorry, but I don't have a pencil or a paper. I really haven't. Oh, I don't need pencil and paper. I have them written out on little cards. <laughs> uh, you know, the... Um, the demand has been quite heavy lately. Oh, oh, then I'll take one. No, take two. Give one to your husband. <laughs> Thank you. He's dead. He'll be thrilled. He'll be thrilled to death. Uh, uh, by the way, madam, am I the first movie star you ever met? Well, no, no. I once met Charles Farrell, star of Seventh Heaven. <laughs> Charlie Farrell? No, no. Must have been before my time. Yeah. <laughs> again, Mr. Coleman. You're my favorite Oscar. I mean, actor. You're my favorite actor. What was that? Goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks so much. Gosh, that was a narrow escape. I don't know how much longer I could have held out. There's a fly under my wig. I'll get him. I'll comb them out later. <laughs> now, let me see. Rochester said that Mary would pick me... Oh, here's Mary's car over there. I beg your pardon, madam, but I'm... Mary, it's me, it's me. Oh, for heaven's sake, Jack. What are you doing in that outfit? I had to put it on so I could sneak out of the house without Ronald Coleman recognizing me. It's a good thing I did, too, because I bumped into him. Well, I just saw Ronnie, too. Oh, my goodness. If he saw you, he'll be sure to know that I'm around. Oh, he didn't see me, Jack. He just walked by the car and threw his autograph in the back seat. <laughs> the back seat? Oh, yeah, here it is. Well, what do you know? This one has glue on it so you can stick it on your windshield. <laughs> Come on, Mary, let's go. Jack, you're not going to the studio dressed as Charlie's aunt, are you? No, no, Mary, I have my suit on underneath. I'll slip the dress off while you're driving. No, no, Jack, don't take it off. I want to remember you just the way you are. What? The way your curls tumble down over your forehead in a tantalizing manner. Say, Rochester said the same thing. And your mascara is just heavy enough to accentuate the blue of your eyes. That's funny. He said that, too. And your lips have the red glow of a summer sun slowly sinking into the La Brea tar pits. Mary. I'll bet he didn't think of that one. No, no, he didn't. Now, come on, let's hurry to the studio. I can't get this... I gotta get this dress off before we get there. 
going into my dressing room. Call me when you start the rehearsal, will you? Okay, I'll see you later. Oh, there's Mel Blank. Hello, Mel. Hello, Jack. Are you going to use me on your show today? No, no, Mel. I spent too much money in Palm Springs. Maybe next week, huh? So long, Mel. So long. That's all, folks. He's a clever guy. It's a shame he won't work cheaper. Oh, well, da-dee-da-dum, da Hiya, Jackson, long time no see. Oh, hello, Phil. Hi. Hey, Jackson, let me look at you. You know, your stay in Palm Springs did you a lot of good. You're two inches taller. What? You're taller. Oh, darn it, I forgot to take off these high-heeled shoes. But, Phil, no kidding, I sure missed you on our last two shows. I know. What? You need me, Jackson. You need me. What do you mean? I got big laughs, didn't I? Yeah, you got laughs, but there was something missing. You know, your program without me is like a Persian rug. It looks good, but it just lays there. (laughs) Phil. Look, Jackson, you tried it without me for two weeks. Now, have you learned your lesson? What? If you can't take the talent with you, stay where the talent is. Phil, Phil, shrinking violet. Look, how can you possibly be so egotistical? I ain't egotistical, Jackson. I just say if you got an effervescent personality, let it fizz, let it fizz. Well, if that doesn't stop the air conditioning, nothing will. Now, Phil, this week we got a very important show, so let's get started with the rehearsal. Okay, I'll be waiting a minute, Jackson. I want to go in and run over Dennis's song with him. Okay, I'll come along with you. Come on. All right, all right, all right, man. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Let's run through Dennis's number once more. All right, come on. There was a boy, a very strange enchanted boy. They say he wandered very far, very far Over land and sea A little shy And sad of But very wise was he Magic day he passed my way And while we spoke of many things Fools and kings This he said to me The greatest thing You'll ever learn Is just Thing you'll ever learn. 
very good, Dennis. That song sounded swell. Thanks, Mr. Benny, but I think the orchestra should have played it with just a little more rhythm. I guess you're right, Dennis. Oh, Phil. I'll take care of it. Hey, fellas, when we do the number on the show, play it a little bit more pizza, uh, pistachio. <laughs> That's pizzicato. Pistachio. When we give you the wrong word, you can't pronounce it. <laughs> Say, Dennis. Dennis. Say, Dennis, what time... Uh, Dennis, what... <laughs> Say, Dennis, what time did you get home from Palm Springs Sunday night? Hmm? Oh, I didn't get home Sunday. I got home late Wednesday and almost missed my own show. But you left Palm Springs Sunday night. What took you so long? Did your car break down? No, but I ran into a lot of traffic in Salt Lake City. <laughs> Salt Lake City? Dennis, why did you go from Palm Springs to Los Angeles by the way of Salt Lake City? I wanted to avoid the traffic light in Banning. <laughs> well, that's logical. But that wasn't the only reason. Uh. I also wanted to break in my new car. My mother gave it to me for my birthday. Hey, congratulations, kid. When was your birthday? Last week. And I had a swell party, too. Refreshments and dancing and games like post office. <laughs> well, well. Who was there? Just me. <laughs> Just you. Dennis, how could you dance and play games all by yourself? It's done with mirrors. <laughs> oh, fine. Me having two shows, I can understand, but this kid's a mystery. <laughs> Dennis, why don't... Say, Jack, I... Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello. Well, hiya, Livy. You ravishing, gorgeous one, you. <laughs> hello, Phil. Say, Jack, what? the drugstore just sent back the pictures we took in Palm Springs. Oh, good, good. Let's take a look at them. Here's a picture of me taken near the pool in my bathing suit. Hey, let me see that, Livy. Here you are. Well, scudda who, scudda hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, say, that's really a gorgeous bathing suit. Oh, it's nothing. That he can see, believe me. <laughs> And Phil, here's one of Jack in his bathing trunks. Let me have a figure of that. <laughs> oh, no. No. Oh, no, no. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You look like a spider with four legs, mister. <laughs> All right, Phil, you can stop fizzing. Say, hey, Mary, can I see that picture of Mr. Benny? Here you are, Dennis. Gee, I don't know what Phil was laughing at. Thanks, kid. For a spider, you look pretty good. <laughs> Well, now, I don't know whether you fellas are kidding me or not. Say, Jack, we better start rehearsing. We go on the air pretty soon. Yeah, let's get going, Jackson. The music's all ready. Good. Now, we... Hey, wait a minute. Where's Don? Oh, Don! Oh, here I am, Jack. Well, Don, it's getting kind of late, and we've got practically everything ready but the quartet. Did you rehearse them? Oh, yes, Jack. I've got a great surprise for you. A surprise? Yes. For weeks now, your quartet's been rehearsing an operatic number, but they needed a soprano for the lead. Uh-huh. So I took the liberty of asking Miss Dorothy Kirsten to come over and join them. Well, I think it was very... Dorothy Kirsten? You don't mean Dorothy Kirsten of the Metropolitan Opera? Yes, Mr. Benny, and here I am. Miss Kirsten, this is indeed an honor and a great privilege having an operatic star like you on my program. Thank you, Mr. Benny. Coming from a violinist of your reputation, I consider that quite a compliment. Well, I, speaking of my <laughs> violin playing, I really shouldn't take too much credit for a talent that comes naturally. 
Really? Some talent. Your father used to tie a flat iron on the end of your bow so you could practice the violin and press pants at the same time. <laughs> Mary, please. Oh, Miss, uh... Miss Kirsten, this is Mary Livingston. How do you do, Miss Livingston? How do you do? And this is Dennis Day. Hello, Dennis. Glad to know you, Miss Kirsten. Dennis, you must be very proud to be associated with a man of Mr. Benny's stature and importance. In a bathing suit, he looks like a spider. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Day! <laughs> He's such a kid. You know? Oh, Miss Kirsten, I wanted to tell you that I saw you in Madam Butterfly Wednesday afternoon, and I thought your performance was simply magnificent. Well, thanks. Thanks awfully. It's an awfully nice and kind of you, Mr. Wilson. But uh, who could help singing Puccini? It's so expressive, and particularly in the last act, starting with the Allegro Vivacissimo. Well, now that's being very modest, Miss Kirsten, but not every singer has the necessary bel canto and flexibility or range to cope with the high testatura of the first act. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Wilson. And don't you think that in the aria Un bel di vedremo that the strings played the con molto passione exceptionally fine and with great sostenendo? Well, I thought... Oh, shut up! <laughs> Mary, that's not cricket. <laughs> now, I was only trying to be sociable, that's all. Gee, Miss Kirsten, I wish my mother was here. She'd enjoy meeting you. She's a singer, too. Oh, is your mother a soprano or a contralto? She's a baritone. <laughs> Dennis, please. Miss Kirsten, as I understand it, you're going to sing a number with my quartet. Is that right? Yes. We've rehearsed all week, didn't we, boys? Well, this is really a big event on my show, Miss Kirsten. I'm certainly thrilled having you, but, uh, but pardon me, Don. Don, step over here a minute, will you? Don, how much is Miss Kirsten, uh, I mean, how much is she going to charge me? Well, lean over, Jack. I'll whisper it to you. Whoops. <laughs> She gets more than Mel Blanc. <laughs> well. Mr. Benny, I hope you're not concerned about the financial arrangements. Oh, no, no. That is, I'm not worried for myself. I'm worried about the rest of my cast. They'll have to take a cut, you know. <laughs> Miss Kirsten, uh, what number have you and the boys prepared? The quartet from Rigoletto. Oh, well, that should be wonderful on the show. May we hear it now? Certainly. Don, announce it now, just the way we're going to do it on the show, will you? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have the privilege of bringing you the quartet from Rigoletto with the Sportsman Quartet, and starring Miss Dorothy Kirsten of the Metropolitan Opera. Bella figlia dell'amore, amore, amore. sonde vizi tuoi, tuoi. Bendicore, Kate, the Bicostan Hoko. Oh, 
my cigarette. call you Dorothy now. That was, really, that was simply superb. Thank you, Jack. You know, Miss Kirsten, my mother wanted me to become an opera singer. Well, it's a very exciting profession, indeed, but it requires intensive voice training. I studied 10 years. In Milan? No, do what did he? <laughs> it must be a time. Dorothy, when you do this same number on the show, I'd like to ask you a favor. When you finish the number, don't leave the stage. We may want an encore. Very well, Jack. And now there's something I'd like to ask you. What is it? Where did you get those darling open-toed shoes? <laughs> I'm sorry. I meant to take them off. It's a long story, but here's what happened. Everybody on stage. Everybody on stage. The program goes on in two minutes. Come on, Dorothy. Come on, kids. Let's give them a great show. Come on. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the majority of American hospitals now have patients waiting to be admitted, and the situation in many areas is growing steadily worse because of insufficient nursing personnel. All young women between the ages of 17 and 35 who are high school or college graduates are urged to apply for admission in any one of the 1,300 accredited schools of nursing. Apply to the one nearest you. Thank you. Jack, we'll be back in just a minute, but first here's Basil Rivesdale. Independent tobacco experts again name Lucky Strike first choice. 
Lucky Strike, first choice over any other brand. American. The famous Crosley poll has just completed an impartial survey in 11 southern tobacco states. This poll, taken among tobacco experts, reveals the smoking preference of the men who really know tobacco. Yes? For their own personal smoking enjoyment, independent tobacco experts again name Lucky Strike first choice. Lucky Strike first choice over any other brand. These are the experts, auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen, and we believe their overwhelming preference for Lucky Strike has a direct relationship to the quality tobacco we purchase for Luckies. You've heard the poll results. Now listen to what Mr. Fernie Simmons King, independent buyer from Lexington, Kentucky, recently said. Season after season, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy real fine tobacco, ripe, light tobacco that makes a swell smoke. I've smoked Lucky's 19 years. So for your own real, deep-down smoking enjoyment, remember... L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, so round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Be sure to listen to the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show on Sundays and A Day in the Life of Dennis Day on Wednesdays. I want to thank Miss Dorothy Kirsten of the Metropolitan Opera for helping us out tonight. I also want to thank Ronald Coleman for helping me across the street. <laughs> and now, if you'll excuse me, folks, my feet are killing me. Good night. <laughs> This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. The Fitch Bandwagon with Alice Faye and Phil Harris. that's dreamy soft like moonlight and glistening with romantic highlights, use Fitch's new cream shampoo. Fitch cream shampoo leaves hair romantically soft and shining. That's because it's made with two beneficial beauty aids, purified lanolin and the finest olive oil. Lanolin is used to soften your hair, to help overcome dryness. Olive oil is used to bring out sparkling highlights, to make hair glisten as though it had been brushed and brushed and brushed. And Fitch Cream Shampoo is so simple to use. Just a dab billows into clouds of rich lather in hard or soft water. Then to rinse, a swish of plain water and every trace of suds disappears. After shampooing, your hair is wonderfully soft and a joy to arrange. Fitch Cream Shampoo is economical, too. Compare its size, compare its low cost. Ask for it at drug and toilet goods counters. That's Fitch Cream Shampoo... For hair that's soft like moonlight and shining like bright starlight. The F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch Shampoo, presents The Fitch Bandwagon, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Ollie O'Toole, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Betty Lou Gerson, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Fay and Phil Harris. <laughs> Thank you.
Bill has decided that it's about time the children saw their daddy at work. And so he and Alice are taking them to watch the band rehearsal. And now as we look in, we find the Harris family entering NBC. You girls are going to be proud of your daddy when you see him standing there leading his orchestra. Does daddy have a good orchestra, Mommy? Well, I'll answer that, Gertrude. (laughs) Kids, your daddy's got a terrific outfit. 26 different kinds of instruments, and I stand in front and lead them all. Do you use the podium, Daddy? Naturally. I got the best podium player in the business. <laughs> hey, come on, kids. We're rehearsing in this studio right here. Phil. Phil, do you think it's wise to take the children into your band rehearsal? Well, why not? I want them to see all the boys in the band. Yes, but do you think they're old enough to stand the shock? <laughs> all right, all right. The boys in my band are all right. They're perfect gentlemen, and they have a lot of respect for me. They do just as I tell them to do. Don't worry about a thing. Come on, everybody. Let's go in. Hey, fellas. Fellas, I want you to meet. All right, hold it. Hold it. All right, hold it. Hold it. Hold it without hold it. And keep holding it. Keep your heads down and don't press. Have it quiet in there. Look. Hey, I got a surprise for you guys. I want you to meet my daughters. <laughs> hey, kind of cute, ain't they? Yeah, one on the left is beautiful. You mind if I kiss a little darling girl? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, go ahead, Artie. Okay. Pucker up, honey, and Uncle Artie will flip you a little kiss. Artie, that one's my wife. <laughs> She was your wife. Well, why didn't you ask? What? Well, a good thing. Get back. Go back there. Sit down. All right, everybody. Now, quiet. Let's get ready to play. Now, girls, uh, is there anything in particular you'd like to hear? We can, we can play any song at all. You see, we got a big reservoir. Uh, what do you? What would you like us to play, Phyllis? Can they play Farmer in the Dell? <laughs> oh, baby Listen to me These men are accomplished musicians Pick out something hard How about Rock Moan and I'll spray lute in C-sharp minor <laughs> You heard her, fellas Farmers in the Dell Daddy, I'd rather hear Rockman and us play lute and see sharp minor. All right, all right. All right, guys, we'll play that. Play what? What she said. <laughs> now, come on, let's play it. I'll kick it off. One, two... That's what I like about Rockman and Osprey Lode in C sharp minor. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, how'd you like that? Oh, it was awfully loud. Why do they have to blow so hard, Phil? It was not loud, and they don't blow hard. How did you like it, kids? Did you think that... Hey, Alice... Where are the children? The last time I saw them, they were three feet off the ground and flying north. <laughs> well, maybe it was a 
little loud. All right, fellas, let's try it once more, and this time, no harp. <laughs> hey, it's Frankie. Frankie, I didn't hear your guitar, and I want to hit... Wait a minute. Where's Frankie? He ain't here yet. <laughs> what do you mean he ain't here yet? He ain't never here. He hasn't been here for two weeks at rehearsal. What's the matter with that guy? What's happened to him? He's in love. <laughs> Remley's in love? With what? He's in love. He's going with some society girl named Cynthia Cavendish. She goes in for the arts and all that kind of stuff. The arts? What does Remley know about the arts? He'd be lost with a girl like that. He wouldn't even know what to quiet, do with it. Quiet, the... quiet, Phil. Frankie just came in. Oh, oh, lover boy finally arrived. Huh? <laughs> um, good afternoon, Don Juan. Felicitations, maestro. Never mind that. <laughs> now listen, Remley, you're right, late for rehearsal. You've been late for rehearsal, and I'm getting sick and tired of... I... Wait a minute. What's that you got on your head? A beret. <laughs> well, ooh la la and rude la pets. <laughs> Hold still and I'll kiss you on both cheeks, Pierre. Frankie, why are you wearing a beret? All us artists wear them. My girl, Cynthia Cavendish, says it's a badge of our trade. If I didn't wear my beret, I'd feel as nude as a floor walker without a carnation. Oh, wait a minute. What's the matter with you? So now you're an artist, huh? Every day it's something else. Now you're an artist. You're going to paint pictures, too, I suppose. Paint? Please. <laughs> Cynthia says that painting is barbaric expressionism. Cynthia says that I have a genius far beyond painting. Cynthia says that I am a sculptor. Cynthia talks a lot, doesn't she? Frankie, listen to me. Get the beret out of your eyes and listen to me. I want to talk to you. What are you getting yourself into here? What kind of a dame is this Cynthia? Hold on, maestro. Miss Cavendish is a person of breeding and culture who's possessed of a sensitive artistic soul, and I'll have you know she is not a dame. She happens to be a high-class tomato. And she's got you believing that you're a sculptor now, huh? Well, I'll tell you one thing, Remley. You've got to show me. Sit down and sculpt me something. Go ahead, sculpt. I can't do it just like that. The feeling has to come to me first. The mood has to come from within me. From deep down inside. Well, open your mouth and I'll look in and see if it's ready. Don't be facetious. I can't sculpt until I'm in the mood, and that takes... Wait! Hand me my mallet and chisel quick. I feel the mood coming over me. I... Too late. It's gone. It didn't hang around very long, did it? Well, if you'll excuse me, fellas, I have to drop the children off at Mother's and do some shopping. Goodbye, Phil. So long, honey. I'll see you at the house. Oh. Goodbye, kids. Oh. Bye, Daddy. Yeah. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> sculptor. Pierre the Sculptor. Remley, I don't know. You're a sculptor, huh? Oh, yeah. You know something? <laughs> I'd give anything in the world to see you at work. Okay. <laughs> I just happen to be starting a bit of statuary this afternoon. I'll bring Cynthia over to your place and you can watch me. Cynthia's going to model for me. Oh, what a shit. 
You will? Sure. Well, it's a deal. Let me tell you something. I can't wait to see you with a hammer and a chisel. You'll see. This I've got to see. Now, call your girl and tell her to meet her, uh, tell her to be over at my place. Huh? Okay. That's a deal. All right. But look, before we leave, I've got to run over a tune. All right, gentlemen. The maestro is in the mood. <laughs> you're ever down in Texas, look me up. Look me up. You're ever down in Texas, look me up. Where the men are men and love it, and the gals are so glad of it. So if you're ever down in Texas, look me up. Everybody's gonna holler, how to do, how to do. Everybody there'll be saying, how are you? We raise corn for hot tamales and grow dollies for the follies. So if you're ever down in Texas, look me up. Ask anyone for Rusty, everybody knows for me. They'll tell you where I'm riding at bar A, B, C, or D. So if you're ever down in Texas, look me up, look me up. We've got everything in Texas looking up. With the moonlight on the prairie and a gal that ain't contrary, there's a lot of fun in Texas, look me up. Ask anyone for Phil Z, they'll tell you where I'm at. You'll find me down at Galveston with a boxback coat and a Stetson hat. So if you're ever down in Texas, look me up, look me up. They've got everything in Texas looking up. Am I right or Amarillo, man? That state's a killer diller. So if you're ever down in Texas, look me up. Bronco bust and take some practice or you wind up on a cactus. So if you're ever down in Texas, look me up. Where the gal that's good at figures and the cowboy's quick on triggers. So if you ever down in Texas, look me up. Every gal's a raven beauty. Hip tie, 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 Oh, I can't wait to get back down there and hear some of that talk. Goes like this. Show sure glad you come by. Don't you all forget to come back now, you hear? <laughs> Bye now. Bye. I'm gonna build a Dolby Palace for my Alice down in Dallas. So if you're ever down in Texas, look me up. All right, Remley, I'm letting you use my house to do this sculpting. Is when is this? Uh, this Cynthia? Oh yeah, when is uh, when is Cynthia gonna get here? She'll be here soon. Where'd you meet her, Curly? She's real class, and she's crazy about me. Why? <laughs> what can a dame possibly see in you, Remley? She must be after what little dough you have. I resent that. She don't need my dough. She told me she's from a very wealthy family, but she gave it all up to be an artist. She never asked for anything. Poor kid lives in a cold garret. The only thing she ever asked me to buy her was a mink coat to keep her warm. <laughs> And you bought her a mink coat just to keep her warm? Not exactly. <laughs> I talked her into red flannel underwear. <laughs> Frankie, I don't know. I, 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 I can't understand how you can go for a naughty dame like that. They don't think of anything but themselves. They have no hey, regard... Hey, must be her now. Come on, I can't wait to introduce you to her. Tennis, anyone? Shall we have a go at it? 
Gad, this sounds like a weekend at Noel Coward's. <laughs> Come on in, Cynthia. I want you to meet my pal, Phil Harris. Curly, this is Miss Cavendish. How do you do, Miss Cavendish? I'm very happy to meet you. How do you know? <laughs> when you don't know anything about me and I don't know anything about you. We might dislike each other intensely and become enemies later. Why wait? <laughs> you two are going to learn to love each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's essential. I doubt it. I can't stand men with curly hair. They annoy me no end. Frankie, what's cooking with this chip? <laughs> Did somebody slip barbed wire into her corset stage? <laughs> you just don't understand her, Curly. Well, she's really very human. She's got a lot of warmth, especially for me. Watch this. <clears throat> Cynthia, aren't you going to kiss me hello, dearest? Franklin, you know I detest kissing. I think it's very vulgar. Oh, this kid's as warm as a penguin's instep. <laughs> I agree with Cynthia. Kissing is vulgar. Uh, do you mean that, Frankie? I do. And you feel the same way about it, Cynthia? I do. I now pronounce you man and wife. Rub noses and get lost. <laughs> now, take it easy, Curly. Cynthia, if you're going to model for me, let's get started. Go in the other room and put on your jungle outfit. Jungle outfit? What's she going to be, a witch doctor? <laughs> no. She's wearing a black bear skin. I'm going to make a statue of the Neanderthal man and his mate. She's going to be the mate and... Wait a minute. Cynthia, we forgot a male model. Oh, your friend here will do. Mr. Harris, slip into this leopard skin. <laughs> leopard skin? Yes. Here it is. Look, lady, get that thing out of here. If you think I'm going to wear that gravy-stained loincloth, you're off your feet. I ain't going to... Let's not argue. Are you not You're retarding my artistic career. <laughs> now put the leopard skin on. Are you kidding, Clyde? I wouldn't wear that thing if I was a leopard. <laughs> I'm not going to wear it either, and that's fine. What's the matter? Are you ashamed of your physique? Am I what? Ashamed of my physique. Lady, you're looking at the stand-in for gorgeous George. <laughs> Jeffries, spray this peasant. <laughs> Shame to my physique. Give me that dead skin there. I'll put it on. I'll show you. Atta late. boy, Curly. I'll help you. Franklin, I told you I'm going to look great in this thing, didn't I? Ah, get a load of that physique. Ah, get a load of that body. <laughs> uh, 
Is that a thing of beauty? Yeah. Hundred and eighty pounds of solid flab. Flab. What are you talking about, flab? I'm all muscle from the tip of my toe to the top of my head. And I might add that I'm irresistible in this leopard skin, and it's a good thing we're not close to the zoo where I'd have every female leopard purring like a kitten. <laughs> okay, Spot, come on. <laughs> now, let's get back in the other room so I can get started. Oh, wait, I'd better knock first and see if Cynthia's ready. We can't go in until she's got her bear skin on. Now, Curly... When you pose with Cynthia, I want you to... Okay, okay, Frankie, I'll get that. I'll get it. You go get the bear ready. Okay. <laughs> hey. Them cavemen had the right idea about wearing these leopard skins. Gee whiz, they're nice and soft and... Gee, they're comfortable to get around in. Oh! Oh, hiya, Julius. Well, if it ain't Jungle Jim. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cut your motor, kid. Get back into neutral. Just bring the groceries in. That's all you have. Okay. Where do I tie up my elephant, Sahib? <laughs> what the heck happened to you, Mr. Harris? Nothing happened to me. Nothing happened to me. I'm just wearing a leopard skin. <laughs> For a minute, I thought you had king-sized measles. <laughs> Don't get gay, nature boy. <laughs> Mr. Remley just happens that uh, Mr. Remley has taken up sculpturing and uh, he's... Uh, well, I'm posing for him. This ought to set art back about 50 years. <laughs> Mr. Remley don't know nothing about sculpting. Mr. Remley knows something about sculpting, too. <laughs> now, if you're a skeptic, come on in the room and I'll let you watch him work. I gotta see. Hey, Frankie. Huh? You mind if Julius watches your chisel? No. <laughs> Come on in, kid. Thanks, Mr. Remley. I just wanna see. Hey, Mr. Remley, what's that bear sitting in the corner for? What bear? Oh, that's my fiance. I'm gonna marry her. <laughs> Couldn't get a girl, huh? She is a girl. Kind of hairy, ain't she? She's wearing a bearskin outfit. Scared me for a minute. You want to watch? Clam up. Now, Curly, I'll tell you how to pose for this. I want to get a pure primitive effect. You pick Cynthia up and hold her in your arms. You're a caveman and you're saving her from a dinosaur. It'd make more sense if you had the dinosaur saving her from Mr. Harry. <laughs> Quiet, kid. You're in on a rain check already, you know. All right, Frankie. I got Cynthia up here in my arms. Well, ain't that a touching little tableau? Wait till I tell Miss Faye that you held a strange bear in your arms. Quiet, or I'll sick Carmichael on you. Come on, Frankie, will you? Let's get started. Wait. I need music to get me in the mood. Oh, fine, fine. Now he needs music to get him in the mood. Do you want me to sing to you? That ain't the mood I want to get into. <laughs> Julius, turn that phonograph on and back here. Okay, I'll put on one of Miss Faye's records. It'll be the only bright spot in an otherwise dull afternoon. 
longer do I have to hold Cynthia in my arms? I'm getting tired. Curly, stop sagging. <laughs> Don't lose the expression on your face. Remember, you're saving a girl from a dinosaur. Well, hurry up, will you? This leopard skin is starting to itch. Oh, I Bill, can... I'm home and I... <laughs> well, what's going on here? Oh, oh, it's you, Alice. Yes, Tarzan. <laughs> it's me, your mate. What is that woman doing in your arms? Oh, her? Oh, I'm saving her from a dinosaur. Oh, oh, good, good. The house has been overrun with them lately. What's the meaning of this? Mr. Harris, will you please tell your housekeeper to run along? <laughs> housekeeper? Cynthia, darling, this is not the housekeeper. This is Alice, Mr. Harris's wife. Oh. How do you do? <laughs> Frank and I can't stand all these distractions. I'm going to lie on the sofa down there until some of you people leave the room. Yes, lie down over there and rest, dearest. Dearest? Frankie, don't tell me that charming creature is the girl you're in love with. Yeah, what's wrong with her? Frankie, you're too nice a guy to be taken in by a girl like that. Alice is right, Frankie. She ain't for you. I think she's a phony. How dare you talk that way about Cynthia? She's a high-class society girl of very good breeding. Oh, really? Well, how did you meet her, Frankie? Under very respectable circumstances. I was driving down Wilshire Boulevard. She was standing on the corner... I blew my horn. The next thing I know, she was in my car. <laughs> it was love at first honk. <laughs> I might have known that's how you met her. Bill, did you hear that? Frankie picked her up. No. to Betsy. How disgusting. I heard 
that, and I resent it. You did not pick me up, Franklin, and you know it. I didn't, huh? Honk, honk, go my way, babe. Thank you, sir. I'd be glad to take a lift. I'm just... <laughs> All he said was honk, honk. <laughs> An aggressive duck could pick this kid up. <laughs> Cynthia, that can't be true. You told me I was the only man in your life. You said I was the only man you never let kiss you. You even said you'd never accept expensive gifts from anyone else but me. <laughs> Curly's right. I see it all now. It was all a plan. You were just after my money. What was she planning to do, starve to death? <laughs> you know you ain't got a dime. He hasn't. Lady, that's my shirt he's wearing. Oh, Franklin, how could you? You told me you were independently wealthy, that you had stocks and bonds and... Oh, never mind, I'm leaving. Goodbye, Franklin, and thanks for everything. Hey, Frank, hmm? What's she thanking you for? If you gave her any expensive gifts, you better get them back now. Don't be a sucker. You're right, back. Curly. No one can take advantage of me and get away with it. Yeah. Cynthia, before you go, there's something I have to say to you. What do you want? I'll thank you to return my red flannel underwear. <laughs> Bill will be back in just a moment. No shampoo in a tube. No shampoo in a jar. And no other shampoo in a bottle leaves your hair so completely dandruff-free as Fitch. Fitch's dandruff remover shampoo. For Fitch is the only shampoo specifically made to remove dandruff. Leading medical authorities say there are two kinds of dandruff. One is loose and flaky... It's the unsightly kind other people see. The second type clings to the scalp. It's the invisible, irritating kind you can feel. And Fitch is guaranteed to remove both kinds of dandruff completely. So be free of all embarrassing dandruff with Fitch. Fitch is the only shampoo made that's guaranteed to remove dandruff with the first application. And the Fitch guarantee is backed by one of the world's largest insurance firms. Remember, no shampoo in a tube... No shampoo in a jar. And no other shampoo in a bottle leaves your hair so completely dandruff-free as Fitch. So switch to Fitch. Use it regularly each week. At drug counters, barber, and beauty shops, ask for Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Fitch is spelled F-I-T-C-H. This is Phil Harris again. Folks, today there are 30 million starving children in Europe. And you can help these kids by sending a food package or cash to care in New York City. You can designate where you want your contribution sent or leave it up to care. Remember, the address is care, New York City. Good night, everybody. What a little song Hello again, podcast listeners. This is Buck Benny, inviting you to spend another week with Jack Benny and his friends. Tonight, of course, Sunday nights at 7, we have another Jack Benny episode for you. I personally think that we're into some of the very best episodes ever of the Jack Benny Show. My absolute favorite time is now and in future episodes. The last three or four episodes, I think, have been great. Tonight's is really good. Lots of times with Jack Benny, you have 
reoccurring things like the Christmas shopping episode or um, episodes uh, murder in the library that sort of thing that come back over and over again and those are great but I also like the things that maybe he does once and we never see it again and it's just one of those episodes that if you catch it you go wow that was different and that's what tonight's episode will be the last part of the episode features Frank Nelson who I just love and this is probably his I think it's his fifth appearance on the show and he's going to be playing um, Carlton Burgess who is um, working on Jack's house and Jack truly was at this point working on a house um, having a house built for him anyway and uh, there's just this is a great bit for anybody who's worked on houses or remodeled houses um, just a really fun bit that they do and I hope you enjoy it it never really gets done again this is like a one time shot and I think they do a, a brilliant job of it and have a lot of fun with it next week um, for our Sunday Night at 7 episode I think has the be best beginning part of an episode I guess if you were to take the beginning from next week's episode and the end of tonight's episode with the construction of the house you would probably have one of the all-time best ever episodes all the way through this episode's fine at the beginning of course and gets excellent next week excellent at the beginning and then it's fine at the end but the beginning of next week's is one of the funniest things you'll ever hear so enjoy it <laughs> and for this week enjoy the construction scenes awesome stuff J-E-L-L Oh! The Jell-O program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens the program with Latin Quarter from Gold Diggers in Paris. <laughs> The name on the outside of a book doesn't tell you very much about the contents. But the name on the outside of a package of Jell-O tells you a whole lot. It tells you that you're getting one of the most delicious desserts you ever tasted. There's only one Jell-O, and that name is your guarantee that you're getting the real thing. Well, the name Jell-O is a trademark, the property of General Foods. If you hear any other gelatin dessert called Jell-O, you'll know that is incorrect. So whenever you order Jell-O, always order it by name whether it's from your grocer or in a restaurant. And this is National Restaurant Week, the week of May 2nd to May 8th. So when you're dining out, order Jell-O for dessert. But remember, to enjoy Jell-O's delicious extra-rich fruit flavor, Jell-O's tempting real fruit goodness, be sure to insist by name on the one and only Genuine Jell-O. <laughs> Latin Quarter, played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man who hasn't made a picture in over a year and still thinks he's a movie star, <laughs> Jack Benny. Uh, 
Right. Hello again. This is Jack Benny talking. And, Don, I don't know what brought the subject up, but it might interest you to know that you don't have to make a picture every five minutes to be considered a movie star. Well, Jack, I didn't mean that. You know, after all, Adolf Zucker, the head of Paramount, gave me a four-year contract. And Mr. Zucker certainly knows his onions. He certainly signs them up, too. Mary. <laughs> you don't come in till the next page. Oh. <laughs> As I, uh, as I was saying, Don, I have a four-year contract with Paramount, and next season I get a raise. Oh, you get a raise, huh? Yeah, you see, my contract calls for so much money per week and lunch in the studio restaurant every day while I'm making a picture. Oh, well, uh, where does the raise come in? Well, next season, instead of getting the 45-cent lunch, I get the 60-cent lunch. <laughs> <laughs> may not sound like much, but believe me, it adds up. But what I can't understand, Jack, is this. As long as you're under contract there, why don't they use you? Now, take George Raft, for instance. He's always busy. George Raft? Yes. Well, they're scared of him. <laughs> you know, he's a pretty tough kid. Cosby and Fred McMurray, they're always making pictures at Paramount. Sure they are. Sure they are. And you want to know why? Why? They bring apples to Mr. Zucker. <laughs> <laughs> Teacher's pets, that's what they are. <laughs> well, if that's the case, Jack, why don't you bring him an apple? I did, and the worm got a screen test. <laughs> you know what kills me? This program has only been on five seconds, and already I'm in a corner. <laughs> Say, Jack. Yes, Phil? What happened to that picture you are going to do with Francisca Gall? You certainly talked about it enough. Oh, that epic. It was uh, called off. You see, the studio and I couldn't get together on the scenario... And how it should be cast. Oh, you couldn't, eh? No, you see, I wanted to be Francisca's lover, and Paramount wanted me to be her father. <laughs> and you should have seen that so-called happy ending they had. Here we go through a whole love story, and at the end, Ray Milan gets Francisca, and I get an old age pension. An old age pension? Yeah, it's a fine thing to take to Niagara Falls. <laughs> well... One of these days, they'll wake up and give me the proper story and a strong leading part. And then you know what'll happen? Sure, you'll get the 75-cent lunch. <laughs> you said it. It'll work out by itself. Uh, page two. Hello, Jack. Oh. Hello, Mary. Uh, what are you talking about? Oh, Don and Phil seem to think that just because I don't make pictures every two seconds, I'm not a movie star. Well, gee, Harold Lloyd only makes one picture a year, and he's a big star. Why, certainly, and we're very much alike. Yeah, he wears glasses, and you have rings around your eyes. <laughs> it's not rings, it's nightclub mascara. <laughs> and let me tell you something, fella. Sometimes you can make too many pictures, and people get tired of you. Now, you take Clark Gable. See, he's in more pictures than Leo the Lion. You know, Jack, I'm pretty tired of Clark Gable myself. There you are, fellas. Even Mary is tired of him. I'll say. I had to stand in line three hours to see him last night. Oh. Gee, he's a dream man. Well, so you stood in line three hours to see Gable. Huh? Yeah, and you know what burns me up, Jack? What? Carol Lombard gets the dates and I get the bunions. Well, that's beside the point. Anyway, to show you that I'm doing all right, Sid Grauman asked me to put my footprints in the forecourt of the Chinese theater. And you know that's some honor. Well, did you do it? Yes, sir. <laughs> Tell him what happened, Jack. That has nothing to do with the tribute. <laughs> what was it, Mary? Now, listen. Well, Jack oh. went over there, and he didn't want to get his shoes dirty. Now, look, Mary, I... <laughs> so he stepped into the wet cement in his bare feet. Well. 
And he said they're taking bows so long that the cement hardened. Now, what of it? I got out, didn't I? Yeah, but tell him where your big toe is. <laughs> well, let's drop all this talk about footprints, and I don't want to hear any more about my cinema career. So please, change the subject. Okay, Jack. Uh, how about your new house? How's it coming along out there in Beverly Hills? Sick and tired of all this talk about movies. What'd you say, Don? I said, uh, how's your new house coming along in Beverly Hills? Fine, and if you want to know something, I'm starting a new picture for Paramount next week. <laughs> Call Artists and Models Abroad, and it's going to be swell. Well, that's changing the subject. Well, I can't help it. I'm too enthused. Say, where's Kenny? Here I am, Jack. Oh, where were you, Kenny? Well, I was just sitting over here in the corner with a book. A book? What is it? It's uh, Einstein's new lowdown on the theory of higher mathematics. Well, say... <laughs> Were you reading that? No, I was just pressing a flower in it. Now I feel better. I was worried there for a minute. Huh? But you know, Kenny, it wouldn't hurt you to read a book like that once in a while. It would improve your mind. Oh, I like Einstein, all right. Yeah. Of course, uh, a lot of his stuff is debatable. Oh, quite, quite. Kenny. Yeah, but at that, he's a pretty level-headed guy. I'll say he is. Yes, sir. He seems to have both feet on the ceiling. <laughs> Oh, definitely, you know. And furthermore, Now, Jay... look, Kenny, Kenny, look. Before somebody asks us both who Einstein is, how about doing your song and we'll carry on with the program? Okay. Here, Phil, hold my book. Don't read it now. Don't worry, it's a strain for me to read the funny papers. <laughs> yeah. And don't you... <laughs> and don't you bother reading it either, Kenny. You'd never understand Einstein. He'd have trouble with me, too. <laughs> I know that. Sing, genius. Hey, whatever happened to my picture? I don't know. Love walked right in and drove the shadows away. Love walked right in and brought my funniest And I had found a world completely new When love walked in with you Nothing seemed to matter anymore Didn't care what I was heading for Knocking at my door Love walked right in and drove the shadows away Love walked right in and brought my funniest
that was Love Walked In from the Goldwyn Follies, sung by Kenny Baker. And, Kenny, I've always complimented you on your song, but I want to tell you something. That performance you gave as Dopey in our Snow White last Sunday proves that you're an actor, too. Oh, really, you... And you were swell. Yeah, Jimmy Fiddler gave me four bells and a popsicle. <laughs> well, you deserved it. You were great. You know, Jack, I don't want to be hammy, but I thought I did a pretty good job as Prince Charming. You weren't Prince Charming, Phil. You were one of the dwarfs. You were sleepy. Well, I can dream, can't I? <laughs> well, that's what you've been doing ever since I hired you. How anybody can sleep in front of such an unlullabyish band. <laughs> I don't know, huh? Gee, Jack, I took the part of Snow White and you didn't even mention me. Well, I was just going to, Mary. You were really great. You surprised me when you sang. Gee, why, you, you were a regular lily pond. Yeah. Yeah. Say, Jack, can't you just see this in lights in front of the Metropolitan Opera House? Mary Livingston and Rigoletto. Yes, Mary Livingston and Rigoletto. Also the Ritz Brothers. <laughs> I marry the Ritz Brothers will never play in Rigoletto. You don't know Zanuck. <laughs> and you won't, you won't be in it either, huh? I don't care. Yeah. I met Walt Disney on the street yesterday, and he liked me so much as Snow White that he wants me to make a silly symphony, and I'm going to do it, too. A silly symphony? Why, that's marvelous, Mary. I bet you'll be as cute as a bug. I better be. That's my part. <laughs> so, you know, fellas, wouldn't be bad making one of those crazy cartoons. Believe me, can you imagine the fun? Huh? Yeah, I'd like to be Pluto the Pup. I'd like to be Donald Duck. Not me. I'd like to be Mickey Mouse. I'd like to be Walt Disney. <laughs> Why, Kenny, you're getting pretty smart. Yeah, I better go and sit down. <laughs> now, stick around, Kenny. You can take a cold shower when you get home, you know? Well, Jack, uh, speaking of last week's program, you all seem to have forgotten me. You know, I played the part of Happy. Don, you really went to town on that, but then you're always so jovial and gay. You don't have to act much. No kidding, Don. What makes you so happy? Well, Jack, why shouldn't I be? I like my work, I like to be with this gang, and I'm just goofy about Jell-O. Well, I can understand that, Don. After all, Jack, who wouldn't be happy when they know that Jell-O has six delicious flavors, that it's so economical and easy to make? Why, it's enough to make a man double over with joy. Oh, I could jump up and down. <laughs> and I tell you, Jack, whenever you see those big red letters on the box, why, I could go right out and do a Highland Fling. Well, do it, Don, do it. Be careful, Don. You'll rip your kildees. <laughs> ah, folks, what other program brings you such low highlights? <laughs> We're graceful tonight, but that's about all. I think. Say, Jack, let's get down to business. What are we going to do for tonight? Well, Phil, I really wanted to do another play, but I must get over to my house. You know, the one that's going up in Beverly Hills. Oh, yes, I asked you about that before. Uh, how's it coming along, Jack? Well, it's worrying me. You see, Mr. Burgess, my builder, has gone haywire again, and I must get to the house. But why do you have to leave right now? Well, he's already built eight stories, and I want to get over there and stop him. <laughs> and such extravagance. They've used over six kegs of nails already. Say, Jack, how many nails are there in a keg? 18,967. I thought you'd know. 
Well, someone's got to keep track of those things. You know? <laughs> uh, I'm going over there now. Do you want to come along, Mary? Yeah, I'll go with you. Can I come too, Jack? Sure, Kenny. I'm not having enough trouble with Burgess. <laughs> Say, Don, you and Phil take care of the rest of the show, will you? Okay, okay Jack. Jack. Well, goodbye. Oh, wait a minute, Jack. I won't be seeing you until next week. I'm flying down to Louisville for the Kentucky Derby. Oh, so you're flying down to Louisville. Going to take a plane or use your ears? (laughs) (laughs) But say... But say, Phil... Phil, as long... uh, Phil, as long as you're going down there, will you, uh, will you do me a favor? Phil, uh, put $2 on stagehand for me. I'll give you the money when you get back. Oh, no. Why not? Well, you still owe me $2 on the Dempsey Tony fight. <laughs> well, they're still arguing about it. <laughs> so anyway, I thought I gave you that $2. No, you didn't. Oh, that's terrible. I must tie a string around my finger. Make it a rope and around your neck. <laughs> Phil, you're the one that should commit suicide. I didn't lose anything. <laughs> well, see you next week, Phil. Come on, Jack. Let's get started. We're going over to your okay, house. Okay, come on, Kenny. So long, boys. See you later. So long, Jack. played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we take you to Jack Benny's property in Beverly Hills where his home is under construction. Well, well, fellas, here we are. There's my house. What do you think of it? Oh, boy, I think it's swell. Of course, it's not finished yet. All those things take time. How do you like it, Mary? It's all right, but what's the idea of all those statues on the roof? Those aren't statues. Hey, you guys, get a move on up there. (laughs) Get busy. I'll go boiling onions. Hmm. I wonder where Mr. Burgess is. He's much too lax with the workmen. 
Hey, fella, do you know where I can find Mr. Burgess? He's around here somewhere, but you're out of luck, buddy. We don't need any more help. Now, hold on there. I'm Jack Benny. I don't care who you are. We got all the men we need. Never mind that. Where's Mr. Burgess? What do you want a job for, Jack? You're doing all right. Kenny, I don't want a job. I'm looking for my builder. Say, Jack, isn't that him over there? Where? Coming towards us on horseback. Oh, yes. Whoa! Whoa, La Cienega! La Cienega? This is where I get off. Quiet. Well, Mr. Burgess, this isn't a ranch, you know. What's the idea of riding around on a horse? I got a cowboy suit for Christmas. Oh. Well, I just thought I'd drop around, kind of look the place over. Well, I'm glad you did. We're coming along fine, just dandy. That's good. Oh, by the way, I want you to meet Miss Livingston. How do you do, Miss Livingston? The pleasure's all mine. No, half of it's mine. You're cute. <laughs> Mary. And this is Kenny Baker. He works on my program. Oh, how do you do, young man? Hello, Mr. Burgess. So you're the man Jack's always complaining about. Kenny. <laughs> well, Mr. Burgess, let's have a look around. I'd like to see the grounds first. All right, we'll go around here to the backyard. You'll be mighty proud of it. So. We're coming around to the backyard, man. <laughs> hmm. Well, that was a spurt. <laughs> Things are sure going fast back here. They, ah, there's the uh, tennis court. Yes, sir. We just finished that tennis court this morning. Isn't it a beauty? It sure is. Hey, wait a minute. There's nothing on the other side of the net. There's only half a court there. Oh, were you going to play with someone? <laughs> Why, certainly. Of course I'm going to play with someone. Well, in that case, we'll put the other half in right away. Yes, it'll help a lot. Can you imagine that, Mary? How can I play on half a tennis court? You never hit the ball over the net anyway. I do, too. I'm a regular Donald Fudge. Say, Jack, <laughs> didn't you say you had a swimming pool over here? Can oh, sure, it's right. Hey, Mr. Burgess, where's the swimming pool? The what? The swimming pool? Where is it? Well, now, that's funny. It was here yesterday. <laughs> I'll check on that. Uh, Doe Bill! Yes? Have you seen Mr. Benny's swimming pool? I haven't even seen his last picture. Well, my pool wasn't in it Isn't that awful, Mary? How can a swimming pool disappear? Don't worry, it'll come home wagging its diving board behind us Come on, let's go inside the house Yeah, maybe that's missing too I'll be a bit surprised Come on, Mr. Burgess, I want to see the inside of the house Okay, this'll give you a real thrill yeah. All right, men, we're coming into the house <laughs> My, what activity. I hope President Roosevelt is listening in. Well, uh, here we are. We uh, better go through this window. The door sticks a little bit. Oh. You better get that fixed right away there. <coughs> the window sticks, too. Fine house. The windows stick, the doors stick. And you're stuck. How are we going to get in? Uh, come on, Mr. Benny. I guess we can get through the door all right. Just help me push it a little. Okay. <coughs> It's a fine how do you do oh, I always have trouble with that darn door It's <laughs> <laughs> certainly very funny Oh, Jack, look at that darling little breakfast nook Isn't it cute? I'm sorry, Miss Livingston, that's the front hall Front hall? Well, that shouldn't be out here in the back, should it? No, it shouldn't I ought to get a zero for that <laughs> 
Yes, you're a bad boy. Now, look, Mr. Burgess, I want to see all the rooms downstairs first, and then we can go upstairs later. Yes, uh, right this way, Mr. Benny. Programs, programs. You can't tell the bathroom from the kitchen without a program. <laughs> program. Hey, what's going on here, anyway? This house ought to be put in a straitjacket. You're right. And, oh, Jack, look at that sign over the fireplace. Where? Right there. It says, Big Weenie Roast tonight. <laughs> I wish they'd stop making a picnic ground out of this place. Hey, Kenny! Kenny, come over here with us. Why are you standing there looking at that dumb waiter? It fascinates me. <laughs> well, don't get lost. Now, what else is there on this floor, Mr. Burgess? Uh, just follow me. Now, right here, uh, right here is the attic. The attic? Why, this is the first floor. Oh, that's right. Uh, then shall we call it the sun parlor? Yes, let's. <laughs> But if that's the sun parlor, there ought to be at least one window in it. If I put in one window, I might as well put in ten. Well, of course, that's the whole idea of a sun parlor, to get sunlight, window. Oh, you're exasperating. <laughs> well, we'll settle that later. Now, let's go upstairs. I want to see the bedroom. All right. Uh, okay, men, we're coming upstairs. <laughs> Say, this is a regular beehive, isn't it? Oh, they're practically slaves. Uh, now, follow me upstairs. Come on, kiddies. Last one up is a baked potato. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Kenny, you lost. You're a baked potato. Okay, put some butter on me. <laughs> now, Mr. Burgess, where's my bedroom? I want to see that first. Uh, do you want the master bedroom, the guest bedroom, or just any old bedroom? I want to see my bedroom, the one I'm going to sleep in. Oh, well, that's the master bedroom. Yes. Here it is, right here. Say, it looks kind of... Why, Rochester! <coughs> Hello, Mr. Benny. Well, what are you doing here? I moved in already. Well, the house isn't ready yet, and besides, your room is over the garage. I looked at that one, but it don't seem to fit my personality. <laughs> Well, you'll just have to alter your personality. This happens to be my room. Well, I saw it first. That's not the point. You want to know something? I was here ahead of you three days ago. You didn't stick out no claim. Now, Rochester, I'm not going to argue with you. Oh, Jack, let him have the room. I'll do nothing of the kind. Now, you get out of here, Rochester, and get to your quarters in the garage. I don't want to sleep with Joe Maxwell. It snores. Only when it's on its back. Now, you can nudge it. Now, get out. Okay, you win. Come on, Jezebel. Fine. Daddy had to bring a dog in here yet. You think that's something? Kenny's scratching. Now, look, uh, Mr. Burgess, uh, where does that door lead to, the one at the far end of the bedroom? Oh, that's a private balcony. It'll be nice when I get the ivy and everything on it. Oh, that's swell. I've always wanted a balcony. Uh, you'll have to pardon me now, Mr. Benny. I'll see you later. Why, where are you going? It's quitting time, and I want to go downstairs and wake up the men. Oh, by all means, yes. Don't have them sleep overtime. That's double. Well, I'll uh, see you next week, Mr. Benny. Yes, sir. Goodbye, Mr. Burgess. Goodbye. <laughs> That's the silliest laugh I've ever heard. He slid down the banister, too. He did? 
Hmm? He's a smart fellow, you know that, Jack? Yeah, Kenny, he's smarter than I am. Where are we going now, Jack? Well, I want to go out in that balcony because I know I'll spend a lot of time there taking sun baths and everything. Oh, let's see the rest of the house. Oh, we can do that later. I want to see the balcony. It'll just take a minute. Darn it, this door sticks too. I got it. My, look at that. cement mixer. Oh, my goodness. Come on, Mary. Let's slide down the banister. Okay. <laughs> Here's a wonderful new way to make one of your family's favorite desserts. Of course, that favorite is Jell-O, and the new way to serve it is a dessert called Cherry Gaiety, a cheerful symphony in bright red and green, for it's made with shimmering lime Jell-O and maraschino cherries. And it's so easy to prepare. <laughs> Dissolve one package of lime jello in hot water and turn into a shallow pan. Chill until firm, then cut the little jello shiny green cubes. Arrange in sherbet glasses with half a, cu half a cup of maraschino cherries and serve it plain or topped with whipped cream. It's a swell color combination and a swell taste combination. For lime jello has a refreshing tart flavor that's tempting and delicious. Jello brings you extra rich fruit flavor grand, satisfying goodness that belongs to Jell-O. Get some tomorrow and try this attractive new Cherry Gaiety dessert. Just remember, there's only one Jell-O. So when you buy, look for the big red letters on the box. They spell Jell-O. This is the last number of the 31st program in the new Jell-O series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. I want to take just a moment to thank Ed Vanderveer for driving my Maxwell in the annual Fresno State College Hack Race last Friday. But, Jack, Fred Allen's car beat yours. Yes, Mary Allen won by a nose, which he talks through. <laughs> <laughs> Chalk up another one for me. How do you make a zero? Good night, folks. J-E-L-L-O Kenny Baker appears on the Jell-O program through courtesy of Mervyn Leroy Productions. This is the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs>